Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohit Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things (laughs) aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Now or Never, the show that celebrates what it takes to try and reminds you that you are not alone when you do. I am Ifi Chiwetelu. And I'm Trevor Deneen. And you know, Ifi, uh, I'm not what one would call a moon and sun expert. No? No, not at all. But I can tell you this. There is a battle raging out there right now, and the moon is winning handily. Like every morning I wake up, there's light for like what seems like an hour tops. And then the moon says, enough of that sunshine and smacks the sun out of the sky and just laughs at us the rest of the day. <laughs> there is a child learning about the Earth's orbit who is very confused. right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wait, this whole time it's a wrestling match. <laughs> <laughs> we just made a new astronomer. I guarantee it. <laughs> I do, though, need some light in my darkness, a little bright to offset the bleak. So. I'm going to go bathe in the glow of one and a half million Christmas lights shining throughout the Winnipeg Zoo and hopefully find out from children why it is so important to brighten up the night. When you look at lights, how does it make you feel? Happy. Because they remind me of Christmas. It feels like so welcoming and warm. Because they're beautiful. What makes them beautiful? Because of their colors. I like how all the trees are kind of... All of them. There's not one tree in sight that doesn't have a light. Yeah. It keeps me kind of safe. Like, I don't really like being in, like, the pitch dark, but I like having some light when I'm outside in the dark. What does your mind say to you when you're in the pitch dark? Um, like, something bad's going to happen, or something's just going to pop up. Like, it just gives off bad vibes. How about you? I like the dark. You got, like, excited about the dark. What do you like about the dark? I like how um, I just walk around and see people's Christmas lights because it just feels all so magical to me. So you like the dark if there is some light as well? Yeah, like a little bit of light. Yeah. Now, what do you like more, being in the light or being in the dark? Light. 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 How come? Uh, I don't know. You don't know why you like the light more? I don't know. Oh, because it's not dark. <laughs> What if all the lights were to disappear and it was just dark? How would that make you feel? Sad. Because it's dark and monsters can hop out or wolves. Monsters and wolves? I'd be scared too. Is that what you think is going to happen if it gets too dark? Yeah. So just jump on one if then I will ride one. You'd ride a wolf? Yes. Just riding wolves, Ify. That's what they're doing out there these days, these children. (laughs) But I will say... Killers, wolves, getting taken at nighttime. The dark gets a bad rap. And it's not fair. The dark does not have a monopoly on bad things happening. Neither do only good things happen in the light. We need the balance of all of it for ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. And what better time to reflect on lightness and darkness than on winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. 
Today on Now or Never, we're embracing it all as we join people who are finding ways to bring the light into the dark. I watched her race and she was so confident and so steady and that broke my heart in a good way because that's when I knew that she would be okay. With all of the grief of watching her brother pass away, I knew no matter what, she could find a way to be okay. It's difficult when you're afraid of the darkness, you don't want to be outside because you're afraid. But when you make friends with the dark, and if you can't see here on the, on the ground, you can look up in the sky and then it'll give you the rest of the way. You know, it'll point you in the right direction. But first you have to become friends with the dark. It can be darker than dark. It can be creepy because you don't know if you're hearing a bear nearby. You can hear creaks and sounds of the snow. And then I always imagine that I'm the bait for the polar oh, no. bear. I probably last maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> This is now or never. We're like your nightlight. Sit back and enjoy. In her Niska village beneath towering snow-capped mountains, Lena Griffin is busy stringing up thousands of Christmas lights. She's zip-tying lights all across a long swaying suspension bridge high above a wild river. So sometimes the step ladder just wasn't high enough and I had to get to the very top, so I had to step on the side railing of the bridge and hold on. (laughs) If my mom was there, she would give me a good talking to. (laughs) My name is Lena Griffin. My Niskat name is Salemks, which means the grower or to grow things and I am from Gitwangsech, British Columbia. It's night now and the decorations are in place and the whole community is gathered by the two totem poles in front of the bridge for a joyous countdown to the light up. Dazzling strings of bright colors stretch for hundreds of feet across the river, lighting up the night. <laughs> Lena looks on with pride. She helps start the Light Up Listens tradition. I feel a sense of joy, instant joy. Those are, lights are so beautiful, and it's reflected in everyone's faces. There's a, a little boy, four years old, and we plugged it in, and his laughter, oh my goodness, he was so loud because for him to see the lights, it just uh, blew him away, and his, that innocent, childlike laughter was awesome. But I also feel uh, some sadness because the lights, although they're beautiful, they're also there to help us remember that we have people who are hurting and people who are feeling sadness. Because alongside the bright lights, there are memorials for lost loved ones. When you walk the bridge, I encourage you to please take time to look at each and every photo. 
There are more than 400 photos here, laminated and strung together all across the bridge. As you walk along the bridge on both sides of you, there are photos of elders, photos of babies, photos of youth, photos of pets, photos of brothers and sisters and families. Each and every photo is a photo of someone who is loved dearly and someone who is missed. I myself have lots of loved ones on that bridge. And I feel so much more love and compassion for others who are grieving because I, I know the pain. And this bridge is healing because it, it shares the pain. Because when you, when people walk the bridge and they see the photo of your loved one and they read the information, you feel like they're sharing your pain and it makes the load lighter. It's beautiful on the bridge this evening. Quiet night and the lights reflecting from the water. You might hear an eagle or the slapping of a, a, a beaver down below, but other than that, it's just the river and you and the lights and the photos. So it's a very spiritual, very spiritual moment and beautiful. We have incredible photos of this bridge and some of the volunteers who braved the sway of the suspension bridge to string all of those lights up. Head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages and have a peek. Iki, the more we get into this episode, the more I keep having these, these sayings about light and dark pop into my mind that people have said to me over the years. Hmm, like what? Uh, in the midst of darkness, light persists. Uh, there's a crack in everything. That's how light gets in. And the one I hear a lot lately is, it's always darkest before the dawn. Hmm. Sounds like you have like a Yoda following you around, just <laughs> <laughs> whispering to you in these dark moments. It's weird. How, like, it's, honestly, the darkest for the dawn one pops up regularly. <laughs> and I think they're there as a reminder to look for the light because it's out there and some people find it in a book that they love, a poem that speaks to them, or on stage, under the spotlight, at a comedy club. So when I'm getting ready for a comedy show, my nerves might be a little amped and... Sometimes I have to remind myself of why I'm doing this. Um, it's a break away from, from work stress, from my grief. Um, but I also do it because it's an opportunity to be brave. Um, to express that, that vulnerability and talk about these really crappy things that we've been through. That's really important 
to me because to me entertainment is not just all about the funny it's about making people feel A little later in the show, a stand-up comedian on the small town circuit grapples with tragedy and triumph in her family life. That's coming up in just a little bit. Today on Now or Never, it is a solstice celebration and we are marking it with stories about light and dark. And when the days get shorter and darker, it makes those moments of daylight feel that much more special. And I've always been curious about what life is like in Northern communities where for months at a time, daylight never comes. We are in Greece Fjord at the top of Canada's map of 150 people, give or take. Just 1,500 kilometers from the North Pole, Lysa Audeluk-Watsko is starting her day as she usually does. After dropping her kids off at school, she drives around Ausituk, also known as Greece Fjord Nunavut, looking for bears. They're hunters here uh, in most communities. They naturally have, are on the lookout for bears. They make it to the ends of town to make sure there's non-eating by the carcass or by, because there's working dogs or husky dogs, mushing dogs that have carcass stashed by for them for the year or winter. This morning, as Lysa circles around the landfill, she doesn't see any bears. So she starts to make her way back to the office. It's 10 a.m., and outside, here in the northernmost community in North America, it is almost pitch black. We are in the peak of dark season, at the pit, sometimes I call it, because it's the darkest point of living here. So I'll just turn it off quickly so we see the twilight. And that's looking towards southeast of Greece Fjord, towards Pond Inlet, um, Greenland. Winter solstice marks the halfway point of dark season, a period of time from late October to early February where the sun doesn't rise. When Lysa shuts off her headlights and faces eats, You can see what looks like an endless black sky that fades down into streaks of blue and then orange. I'll share a video of Lysa's drive through Grease Fjord with you on our Now and Ever Facebook and Instagram because you really need to see it for yourself. It is stunning. At least, I think so, but I haven't been living in Grease Fjord my entire life like Lysa. I think uh, over time we get used to it. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. But when we have our friends or the occasional visitor, they'll be like, "Wow, do you see that? Do you see the colors?" And we'll look at it with them, and yeah, yeah. And then they'll describe the beauty of the changing colors. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes when we take pictures, it catches really nice colors. So then we realize, oh yeah, that is really nice. 
While Inuit have been passing through this area for thousands of years, the community of Grisfjord was established during the Cold War, where Canada forcibly relocated Inuit families to the area. So Grisfjord has been here established uh, in the name of sovereignty in 1953 and 1955 in the community. So mm -hmm. um, only 70 years plus that's a couple of generations. So we're still really learning about our our country, if you will, and the land. Uh, there is a, a Greenland community or two that is uh, adjacent to us and exactly the same latitude. It, it makes uh, it creates that support or security that we are not alone up here. No matter how much or how little sunlight there is outside, there are things that still need to happen, like hunting for food. When my husband's out hunting and the moon is not out and it's being clouded, um, sometimes he used to be a little bit um, freaked out because while you're sitting, while you're waiting in the seal hole and you, you have to be super quiet, no footstep, no sound, because that's how the seals come when there's no sound. Um, it'll, it can be darker than dark. He said it, it can be creepy because you don't know if you're hearing a footsteps of fox or um, a bear nearby. You can hear creaks and sounds of the snow and then the seal can come up or not. For me, it's like freaky or creepy thing for me because... Um, <laughs> I always, always imagine that I'm the bait for the, the oh, polar no. bear. <laughs> <laughs> so I could wait like, like half an hour if I had to. I, I couldn't, I probably last maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> it is easy to want to stay inside during dark season, which can make this time of year especially isolating. Dark season can be hard for many. Even uh, I have uh, gone through some uh, dark di winter days where um, I might have not been employed long or I wasn't doing much throughout the week. Um, it, it could be rather depressing for some, especially people who might have just lost someone they love uh, during the winter or if they're feeling sick. Even for some working uh, citizens, it can be extra long too because you're tired end of the day and the day when you get up the next day, there's still no brightness. So there is a bit of challenge for some, but uh, we try to stay active in all areas. It could be groups, programs um, that try to stay active in the community so people uh, one or another are involved somewhere that they're not left out so the beauty of the small community like us is uh, we're there for one another uh, in times of need what do you do in those hard moments where it feels a little too dark so last Friday, I decided to take a whale out and I uh, brought it to office. So people who go there for a coffee or a tea in the afternoon because they need somewhere to go during the day too. I like that idea because I didn't know that uh, someone didn't have matak for a while until I took it out. 
uh, go go into the gym or community gym with the kids, go for a drive. Um, we have limited roads because of so much snow sometimes, but we still go to the end of the roads where we can and we'll sit there for a few minutes and just look at the stars sometimes. Um, we try to be active. The first sunrise that Grease Fjord will have seen in months is still a few weeks away. But there's some brightness happening much sooner than that. Christmas. I like Christmas because in December, in our darkest month, uh, people put up Christmas lights and uh, it creates beautiful, uh, different color illuminations around the community and it just uh, brightens um, not just me, but the kids. Even artificial lights is our time to glean because no matter how dark it gets, you still have a purpose to shine your light. Lysa is a photographer, and her pictures of the dark season in Greece Fjord are stunning. I'll share those with you on our CBC Now or Never Facebook and Instagram, so take a look. The climate is changing, so are we. I'm Laura Lynch, and I host What on Earth? That's CBC's Climate Solutions podcast. Twice a week, we take you around the world to find the people who are trying to build a better future for all of us. We explore Indigenous science, new technologies. We talk openly about mental health and climate anxiety. We also take your smart questions all the time. Come find What on Earth wherever you get your podcasts. This is Now or Never. I am Ifi Chiwetelu. And I'm Trevor Deneen. And today, on the longest day of the year, we're embracing the dark by shining a little bit of light onto it. Or, if you're part of the small town comedy circuit in BC, a spotlight. Welcome to the stage, everyone, Virginia O'Donnell. Things you never hear in Prince George. Dude, where can I plug in my car? Oh, hey, I read that book too. Oh man, I can't buy that skidoo. I'm saving for my kids' college fund. <laughs> Hi, I'm Virginia O'Dine. I'm a mother, I'm a writer, and I'm a stand-up comic. So when I'm getting ready for a comedy show, my nerves might be a little amped and sometimes I have to remind myself of why I'm doing this. Um, it's a break away from, from work stress, from my grief, um, but I also do it because it's an opportunity to be brave, um, to express that that vulnerability and talk about these really crappy things that we've been through. That's really important to me because to me entertainment is not just all about the funny, it's about making people feel. We need to bring back survival of the fittest. 
survival of the fittest. When when a person's time has come, push them out to sea on an iceberg. It was the honorable way to reduce the burden on society. Sleep apnea. <laughs> if your brain can't handle sleeping and breathing at the same time, iceberg. Stand-up comedy was Virginia's hobby for years, and then her son got sick, and things took a darker turn. But still, she kept telling jokes. Uh, one of the b- most bizarre moments in my life was one New Year's Eve. Um, I had left the hospital just after finding out my son Brandon had cancer and the diagnosis wasn't good, um, and driving straight to a comedy show and wondering if till the very last minute if I was going to be able to pull this off and and when I got there I hugged my friend and had a good cry um, and then took that moment to just be in the moment if that makes sense um, I wasn't going to solve anything. I wasn't going to comfort myself or my son in that moment. I just needed to be in that moment of that show for all those people who, who were there. And it was really, really difficult, but it was also really encouraging that I could do it. And I think, I think it's not ignoring the pain but it's stepping away from it from a, for a moment to be able to focus and function. And once you know you can do that, you can do it again. Um, and hopefully the more steps you take, the further along you get on the path of healing. I remember going to visit my son in the hospital when he was first um, diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia as well as a fairly rare brain tumor and we went to visit him in the hospital and my daughter and I walk in and the first thing he says is he goes look mom look he says I have this magic button and I can get anything I want in the world and he presses the nurse's call button Obviously, she was new because she comes running. That was that was just his way. And through everything we went through for the two years of his cancer and the treatment that did not work, um, that attitude was so. It was it was a blessing in disguise to to help us through that time. I think since the death of my son, my comedy, I haven't done like some comedians where they're they're ready to talk about um, the death of a loved one. Um, I haven't gone there, I think, because um, I haven't found the funny story in it. 
right? I'm sure it's there. Um, maybe it's still too new for me, but I haven't, I haven't been able to, to, to really delve into that to find the funny story in it. It could take a long time before Virginia is able to find the humor in such pain, but she's still able to recognize and celebrate moments of triumph in her life, especially ones that have to do with her daughter, Marietta, who two years ago after her brother's death competed at the Beijing Olympics on Canada's snowboarding team. And we're off here. Marietta O'Dine of Canada. It's gonna come right down to the finish. Here comes Lindsay Jacobellis. She's in first place. What can O'Dine do? Can she hang on? Yes. And Marietta O'Dine has got herself a bronze medal. Are you kidding me? What a day. What a day for Marietta O'Dine. When they're racing and they go down the hill and they cross the finish line and they take off their snowboards and they go running over to greet each other and high-five each other, you can hear my daughter yelling at her friends, Yeah! You beep and killed it! She's celebrating! So I say, winning two Olympic bronze medals, meh. But dropping the F-bomb on live worldwide television? Well, that's pure gold, isn't it? Beep, yeah! I watched her race and she was so confident and so steady and that broke my heart in a good way because that's when I knew that she would be okay. That with all of the pressure, with all of the grief of watching her brother pass away, um, she, she went through a lot and for her to pull this off when it mattered most, that was, that was the most amazing moment to me because then I knew no matter what, she could find a way to be okay. And then actually getting two bronze medals, well, that was just some icing on the cake for me, right? If you say, um, does embracing the dark moments make the light moments brighter? I say yes, but also as important is making the dark moments lighter or less heavy that's just as important um, because sooner or later we have to get off this seesaw. That's why it's important for me to start opening up about my story because someone out there might be listening and it might be one word or one sentence like I've experienced myself something that makes the difference for taking another step forward. I'm Trevor Deneen. And I am Ifi Chiwetelu. And today on Now or Never, we are celebrating solstice. 
I think Mother Nature is smiling upon us. It's giving us this warm, beautiful evening and it snowed just so we could have a nice walk today. Sometimes we don't get very far before we see something really interesting. See, we have uh, some deer tracks here and it looks like they've been using this trail quite a bit. And you can see them right here. They're a little bit melted in, so they're a day or two old. But we do have deer moving through. It's, uh, it's nice when we have a full moon because uh, it's, it's, it's so bright out here that it actually casts shadows, especially with the snow. But uh, this day just happens to be the day right after a new moon, so we're about as dark as we can get. <laughs> It is just before 5 p.m. at the Painted Warriors Ranch in Mountain View County, Alberta. There is a soft amber glow behind the Rocky Mountains in the distance where the sun is just setting for the day. Darkness is creeping in quickly, but this is the perfect snowshoeing condition for Tracy Kleddle and Tim Mearns. We're gonna just duck into this little trail right here. It's a pretty little trail that'll take us through the forest. We'll loop around and we'll kind of come back up to here where it's open and we can see the sky. So you can see tonight we're a little bit overcast, but the clouds are kind of light. So um, they still allow us to see the stars peeking through. Getting out into the, in the wintertime like this is, it's so good for your soul. And, you know, I think about um, uh, some of the stories that my mother told me about um, the winter. And she said that uh, we learned from the bears and we watched what the bears did. And uh, we, we watched how they hibernated and took some of the teachings from the bear. And from that, we learned that we need to stay close to camp. And, you know, these dark nights are, are not a time of gloominess. They're a time of kind of soul searching and healing and rest and retreat. And getting outside at night, kind of getting the blood flowing again and stuff like that, you're... I don't know, I guess kind of fighting that gloomy feeling that a lot of people take during the winter. Tracy and Tim give stargazing tours on their rural property where the only available light comes from the night sky. For them, sharing how the dark can help you see more clearly is a big part of why they give tours. It's about passing on some of the stories of survival that Tim's mom Shirley left behind. So my mom passed, it was December 21st, um, winter solstice. So it's coming up to be one year. Um, she was a residential school survivor. She is a Jibway. And she lived, um, I think it was 10 years in residential school. And she survived it. And she turned it around and took a bad and turned it into a positive and uh, really wanted to help others to find that same connection. Um, so it was important that her, she came out with us and um, out here and shared her story and how you can when you think it's the darkest days, which is now, you know, it plays a toll on you. And, and that's where she takes, tries to tell you how to turn things around and not to hold resentment or hate and to make that into a learning and, and pass it on down the line. So I just want to be just as good as her and just as motivational to other people as she was. And, and in the same soft, 
part that she did it in how to motivate people and how to bring them out of that era of the short winters or you know and bring them bring them up and and encourage them and get them moving and just like she did to us you know like if you listen right now you know you don't hear anything it's it's just so quiet besides the rustling of the snow or maybe some of the snow that's melting off the trees and hitting the ground. That's the only things you hear. It's important to bring people back and to feel the spiritual connection, to feel the connection of your senses. And it takes a lot to, to stop and to smell. Hmm. Hear the trees, hear the, hear the, the leaves r rumbling, um, taking your socks off and getting that connection to Mother Earth and feeling it. And when you take your bare skin and touch the earth, it has a, this energy to it. And a lot of us forget that. And, and that's part of what I would like to bring back and share. And it, it clears up a lot of stuff. When I'm out here and, and you're outside and you're looking up at the stars, being able to use the dark to navigate takes that fearful component of the darkness away. Once you become friends with the darkness, you can move in the darkness. It's difficult when you're afraid of the darkness, you don't want to be outside because you're afraid. But when you make friends with the dark, and if you can't see here on the, on the ground, you can look up in the sky and then it'll give you the rest of the way. You know, it'll point you in the right direction. But first you have to become friends with the dark, I think, and you feel safe. Now, if you follow Now or Never on Facebook or Instagram, you might have seen a post where we were asking, how do you celebrate solstice? We want to share some of your stories about this time of year and how one day can impact all of us in a different way. My name is Kara Kajewski, and the winter solstice to me means a time of peace, and it's something I embrace, the darkness, as someone who's lost vision in my adulthood. I was born with low vision, and so lights were a big thing for me. So at Christmas, it's often all about the lights. We talk about it, and it's everywhere, and people are looking at them and putting them up. And, and that was a great thing for me. I loved to drive around as a kid and look out the window at all the houses with the lights. As I got older, my vision declined, and then I got to a point now where uh, lights are... Um, I can see them, but they're very very foggy and fuzzy. So the longest night of the year, I just started gravitating to that more. I like the message of it, to the idea that we're celebrating the darkness, which is okay. There's this fear around blindness uh, about the idea that someone might go blind and then just be in the dark forever. And that scares people, I understand. But the perception that blind people only see darkness, that's not true. It can be all shades of gray and fuzziness and blurriness and light and dark and shadow and light. And so I like that Christmas and winter solstice are right against each other because it talks about darkness and light, which we, we need both. A 
Hi, my name is Doreen and I'm from Rocky Mountain House, Alberta. My personal connection to the solstice was my brother's birthday. He has passed away. Um, it was eight years ago that he passed. His life was a struggle. And I think that in the darkness we struggle. And now that the days will be getting longer, it it brings um, a sense of joy knowing that there's more light to come. And I think reflecting on him that there was more light to come for him. My name is Tao Lin Carr. Solstice morning, when I was growing up, we would find that our Yule tree was laden down with presents. My parents were divorced, so I would always spend Christmas with my mom and Solstice with my dad. And at my dad's, the Solstice Fairy would come. And then we would open all our presents and we would go outside and we would shovel the driveway. We would shovel a pathway out to the big fire pit. Some years there were 50 or 60 people who would show up and there would be choruses of song. My dad would encourage all the guests to bring children, to bring potluck, to bring dogs and to bring instruments. Some years only my mom and I would show up, but that was okay too because he knew that despite sometimes maybe doubting his community, he knew that there would be people to celebrate with. My father was always interested in multicultural approaches to the Christmas season and the solstice. There was this patchwork of people that came year after year, old friends, family from afar, but also the ESL students that he was teaching, and they would bring interesting dishes that I had never tried before. Foods that helped me to better understand how to emotionally survive in the really dark months, how to explore the whole world, even through the dark. The solstice was an annual celebration for 20 years. Um, and then his MS got to the point where he wasn't able to live in the houses that had fire pits. And he wasn't able to host those parties anymore. And the tradition kind of dwindled. So I've taken it up. Hello. Hey, Dad. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I need some advice. What kind of advice? <laughs> well, I am sitting here looking at cans of chickpeas, and I cannot remember how to make your hummus recipe. Ah. Yeah. I tried making it a couple days ago, and it was kind of lumpy. You okay that I'm taking on this tradition? It's fantastic that you're taking on the tradition. I mean, I'm glad that somebody is. I'm glad that you are in particular. Well, yes. Your daughter and your grandsons and your son-in-law are carrying it on. Yeah. I'm really excited. I don't know that Grandpa... solstice everybody yes and a big shout out to our team of producers who light up our lives every week sarah tate tanara mclean and betsy trumner i'm trevor deneen and i am ifi chiwatelu take care
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.